0: You know, if I value open, honest, transparent communication, and this person is ghosting for two to three days at a time, does he fall under that filter? Can you filter him through? Is it a yes or a no? Welcome to Codependency Alchemy, the podcast where we explore the power of transformation and healing in codependent relationships. I'm your host, Alyssa, and I'm here to share my own personal journey with codependency and the valuable tools that I have learned along the way. Through sharing some of my own personal cringy moments, we'll dive deep into the patterns and behaviors that contribute to codependency. From setting boundaries to overcoming people-pleasing tendencies, we'll cover a range of topics related to codependency and offer actionable tips for creating healthy, fulfilling relationships. And that's not all. I'll be taking questions from our community, offering compassionate and insightful advice for those struggling with codependent patterns in their own lives. Whether you're dealing with codependency in a romantic relationship, with family members, or even in friendships, this podcast provides a brave and supportive space for exploring your challenges and finding practical solutions. Check out the show notes or description box below if you'd like to find ways to support the show and be featured in a future episode. So let's begin this journey of alchemizing codependency into sovereignty and discover the power of self-love, healing, and transformation in your relationships. Here is this week's episode. Hey everyone, I am so excited to get into this podcast episode, which is going to be a Q&A. When episodes are released, a Q&A episode will be released as well. I get so many DMs and comments from people asking for support, guidance on their specific situation, and I always am just like, oh, I wish I could just voice note all of this. So here I am recording videos, recording audio for those of you who have reached out, those of you who are desiring support. So if you have a specific question that you would like to get featured on the podcast and get a response, please don't hesitate to reach out. I check my DMs every day and we will continue to choose some of the questions to elaborate more here in this space. So This week, we are going to be talking about when they're ghosting and when it's actually just our anxious attachment pulling away. This came up so much with some of my recent videos around, you know, me pulling my energy away when I think they're pulling their energy away versus when people are legit freaking ghosting. So I... Love that I'm going to be able to dive into just discerning the difference between the two and sharing my own thoughts and my own experiences and seeing how it lands for you guys. So here is the question. Hey girl, I came across your page and I need a major help with codependency and anxiety when it comes to the guy I'm talking to not responding for two to three days at a time. So my initial response to this person's um, message was to create a values filter. So when I'm working with my clients or when I'm working with the women in codependency alchemy, the membership, I oftentimes refer them back to their values filter. Um, I don't know if I heard that from somewhere. I don't know if I can take full responsibility for it, but this is just what I call it because it helps me Just kind of literally see it as a filter. And so what I invited myself to uncover when I was being ghosted is asking myself, what do I value in a relationship? So I'm going to pose that question to you guys. What do you value in a relationship? And make a list. Make a list of all the things that you value. Um, This is one of the first things I do with my clients what do you value in a relationship? You can do this with friendships too. What do you value in a friendship? Some common ones I hear, or actually some common first responses I hear are, I don't know. I don't know what I value. (laughs) To which I invite them. What do you not value? Like, what do you not want in a relationship? Because sometimes that's a little bit more easy to navigate. And they're like, oh, well, I don't want to be disrespected. Well, I don't want to be you know, yelled at, well, I don't want to be ghosted. Okay, perfect. So now that we have a list of what you don't want, can we basically work backwards? What would the opposite of disrespected be? I want to be respected. I don't want to be yelled at. What would the opposite of being yelled at be? You know, I want it to be peaceful, calm, you know, I don't want to be ghosted. What would the opposite of ghosted be? You know, communication. So some common ones are, you know, I want respect. I value reciprocity. I value transparency. I value openness. I value compassion. If we can keep it into in these overarching characteristics as opposed to details of like I want him to have a nine-to-five job you know like not saying that those are not important but if we can keep it to the overarching character of a person um, I think that's really beneficial not only for us but for them so that we don't have preconceived notions or projections that we're placing on our potential partners So create a values filter because this will be a great way to reality check yourself when the person is ghosting for two to three days. You get to ask yourself, okay, is this person aligned with what I value in a relationship? And then it gets to be like a simple yes or no. You know, if I value open, honest, transparent communication, and this person is ghosting for two to three days at a time, is he does he fall under that filter? Can you filter him through? Is it a yes or a no? Our ego will like to be like, well, when it's good, it's good. Our ego will like to be, well, when we do talk, he's really great. Just like, this is across the board. He's either communicative, open, honest, transparent, or he's not. It's not some of the time. I think when these People are ghosting us. What they're doing is they're showing us where they're at. It's not personal. And I think what we've done is we've made it personal. We've made it mean something about us. They're ghosting me because I am too much or I'm too this, I'm too that, or I'm not enough this, I'm not enough that. When can it just be not personal? They are just showing you where they are at. So many of you in my comments and DMs are like, you know, he says he's not ready for a relationship. Well, are you ready for a relationship? Yes, I want a relationship. I'm ready to settle down. Then why are you entertaining someone who has already communicated to you that they are not that? So if we can remember it's not personal love for you or for him, he's showing you where he's at, And sometimes it's not that we are in love with the person who we're connected to or that connection, because the fact that he doesn't meet what you value in a relationship, we are often more attached to the dream that we have tied to that person than the person itself. And if you're like me and you have anxious attachment, you've created a dream in like the first 32 seconds. (laughs) You already know what your life with him and your children in the home, we we have a, a vision of what it all looks like from that first meet, which that first meet is always great, right? You're getting to know that person. It's light. It's fun. It's silly. You're laughing. You create a whole dream. And then what ends up happening is we get attached to that dream. And then when they ghost, we think that all of those good feelings, all of those, all of those memories that have not yet happened disappear, and we don't know if it's ever going to come back again. And so we stay connected to the person ghosting, even though they are actually aligned with what we desire. And so when we stay attached to the dream or idea that we have put onto the person, we have to remember that that isn't always kind either, because then they're never measuring up. And we often chalk it up to, well, we see the potential in this person. But what that ends up doing is leaving both people in suffering. Because you see the potential of a person, which is, I see something that you can be that you're not. And they feel the inadequacy of that. It's felt right? So if they're constantly feeling inadequate, and maybe you start feeling taken advantage of or disrespected, it's because you're pouring into somebody's potentiality, and their inadequacy doesn't allow them to move out of their own fear, out of their own trauma responses. And then you're left in this cycle, seeing their potential pouring in time And then that time begins to weigh. I put so much time into this. And these can just be slippery slopes that we loop in. So, what if this person was just meant to show you more clearly what you want and what you don't want? What if this person ghosting you actually wasn't personal, but was a way to help? you see more clearly what you're making space for in your life and what you're not making space for in your life. And in that space, can you then extend gratitude for that clarity? In my experience when I was in a trauma bond, I mean, which happened to me more than I like to admit, And every single one of those experiences, I attached my love. And every one of those experiences, I attached my lovableness to them being in my life or not. And when they weren't in my life, I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel lovable. I felt worthless. And it had me grasping for that person until I realized it wasn't the person that I was grasping for. It was my worthiness that I was grasping for. It was my lovableness that I was grasping for. And it was so easy in those moments to blame the person ghosting me for their behavior, which I'm not saying it's like (laughs) good behavior. I don't necessarily like to use the words good and bad, but, you know, ghosting is their stuff. I get to sit and tend to my stuff. And the more that I began to tend to my stuff, the more gratitude I began to fall into for this person because it illuminated for me so clearly what I was not desiring in a relationship. And by uncovering what I was not desiring in a relationship, I was able to get more clear on what I did want. And so if we can see these people as instead of perpetrators who did us wrong as these amazing beings that were mirrors for us, we get to cultivate more compassion for the greater whole and more compassion leads to release of tension and release of tension leads to overflow and just overarching love for all and so that's my response for (laughs) for that question i hope it helps create a values filter identify what you value or what you don't value and work backwards Try to take the personal aspect out of it and take it as they're showing you where they're at, not making that be about you, and cultivating gratitude for the clarity that that person brought into your life of what you're desiring and what you're not desiring in a relationship. Okay, next question. Hey, I absolutely love your page. Oh, thank you. And I'm totally going through this right now with an amazing guy, but my anxiety kicks in and then I get super anxious if I don't hear from him. And then he gets confused as to why I'm being the way I am. And then I get nervous. He doesn't want to be with me. Any tips? oh my goodness, I could not relate more. It reminds me of um when I <laughs> ask my partner what's wrong <laughs> and he says nothing, but he says it in this tone that I'm perceiving as something is wrong. And even though he's told me nothing, I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Are you sure nothing's wrong? Are you sure it's not me? Like, <laughs> uh, until... He's like, yes, yeah, something is wrong. You keep asking me what's wrong, and now I'm annoyed. And then I'm like, oh, see, uh, now let now I'm I am nervous that he doesn't want to be with me or that I've done something wrong. So, my invitation here would be pattern tracking. Like that's what comes up first and foremost in my head when I read this this question. Um, and so, what I mean by pattern tracking is beginning to identify the thing beginning to identify your triggers, the things that activate you. So one trigger of mine is what I was kind of just giving a brief example of is when my partner, when I'm perceiving my partner to have a change in mood that is triggering for me, especially if that mood is one that I associate like grumpiness or discomfort or anger. I totally make it about me. So by uncovering this pattern of I get anxious when I notice my partner's mood changes, it allows me to then take, you know, take from my toolkit all the tools I have around cultivating safety for myself when that trigger comes up. So since you already have an awareness that your anxiety kicks in when you don't hear from him right away, I would begin to just continue to bring more awareness to what happens in your body when you don't hear from him. So when you don't hear from him, that would be the trigger. For example, take note of what your body physically does. What does the anxiety feel like? Where does it live in your body? notice the physical sensations because when we begin to notice the physical sensations that becomes our indicators so for me for example some of my physical indicators that i am activated or triggered is tingly feeling in my fingers like i lose feeling in them i have a heaviness in my chest and another one is like my ears will heat up like they get like really really hot So those are my physical indicators that I am experiencing a trigger. And then begin to take note what happens in your body when you don't hear from him, the mental stories that play out, because these will also be your indicators that you're dysregulated and need some time to regulate yourself. So by having both the stories that come into your mind, so like my stories are Like, he doesn't like me anymore. He's going to leave me. He he thinks that I'm a bad person. So when I hear those stories playing in my mind, I can be like, oh, those are some of my mental stories that I play when I'm dysregulated or when I'm triggered or activated. You know, fill in the word that you like to use. I like to use all of them interchangeably. And so what we get to do is take personal responsibility for our own trigger. And with codependency, a lot of times what we do is we make that person responsible for cultivating the safety for us. And we do that through seeking validation. So when I'm in my what's wrong, you know, when he says nothing and I'm triggered and I still think that and I think he's being dishonest, that's my work to regulate myself but sometimes if I'm not as consciously aware, um, I'll go into saying what's wrong again, what's wrong again, what's wrong again, trying to get my validation that everything is safe from him. And I try to tell my clients this, like, it's like 100% of the time, we will always be disappointed because it'll the validation never, never is quite enough. Um, so... I did my due diligence in this situation of the what's wrong with my partner and his mood change because as his partner and someone who lives with him, it is possible that maybe I had done something that I was unaware of. So by asking, is there something that I did, allows me to show up for my partner, allows the space for my partner to be seen. However, if my partner says nothing is wrong, then I can't make him tell me that there's something wrong. And that it has to do with me, even if it's true. That's his stuff. And when I go into his house, if you haven't listened to that podcast episode, the first one, I highly suggest it where I talk about houses. When I go into his house trying to get him to own up to the fact that I did something, like I'm pouring my energy into him instead of resourcing myself and trusting his resilience in his own time and his own process. So what I get to do when he says nothing and it still is activating in me is I get to go and then create safety for myself. Instead of being like, are you sure? Are you sure? I get to go in and say, okay, what is the fear that is coming up for me right now? This is where nervous system regulation, if you have never heard of that before, highly suggest looking it up. There are many, many ways you to regulate your nervous system. Some of mine are breath work. A lot of mine are like rocking back and forth, um, getting outside, going for a walk. These are just a few ways, but I typically do inner child work in these moments. So what I mean by that is I ask myself, how old is the part of me that feels this anxiety or that tells this story? What does she need? And then, how can I meet that need for myself? Because that inner child is trying to protect us by running or pulling away, which is perpetuating the fear, because then the guy is like, what's going on? And you're like, see, I knew something was off. Even though there might not have been anything off, welcome to the story of my life. (laughs) So I hope this is a good start where you can begin to practice um, with any trigger that you notice. Pattern tracking is a game changer, just noticing when you're activated. And sometimes that might be after the fact, okay? Especially in the beginning, you might go through these and then it's after the fact you're like, oh my gosh, I was so triggered and why did I do that? And Just have compassion for yourself and gratitude that like now you have the awareness that you're bringing to it. And the more that we can name the triggers, the more we're able to take conscious action and make different choices in those moments. The last thing I will say on that is pause. (laughs) Just pause. The more I pause... The more space I create around something, the more space I create around something, the more I realize that there's nothing that I need to do. And I've constantly lived my life in, I need to fix, I need to fix, I need to fix. I need to make other people happy. And the more that I tend to this anxious part of me, the more I realize that there's nothing that I need to fix outside of myself. That the only thing I actually need is to sit with myself, hold myself, love myself. Thank you for joining me on Codependency Alchemy. I hope this podcast continues to offer you valuable insights and tools. breaking free from destructive patterns and creating healthy, fulfilling connections with others. Remember, healing from codependency is a journey, and it's important to be patient and compassionate with yourself along the way. Whether you're just starting out on your path, or you've been working on your codependency for a while, know that you're not alone, and that it's possible to create meaningful change in your life and in your relationships. If you have any questions or feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. And if you found this podcast helpful, be sure to subscribe and leave a review so that others can discover these valuable insights and tools as well. Check out the show notes or description box below to find ways to support the show and be featured in a future episode. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, you are worthy of healthy, fulfilling relationships. And you have the power to transform your codependency into sovereignty. Until next time, be well and I love you so much.